You're listening to the smartest guys in marketing, the best show on the planet for client businesses to learn about traffic, funnels, sales, conversions, and marketing coolness. Chris and Taylor are the founders of Traffic and Funnels, a digital marketing consultancy helping you get paid clients from cold traffic daily. Now, here are your hosts, Chris and Taylor. All right, well, today we're doing something different, and uh, I'm going to teach you how to ruin your life. I know you're excited about that. I'm going to teach you how to ruin your life. I think a lot of times we talk so much about what to do, what you ought to do, that we take away a lot of the power in learning from the mistakes of other people. In fact, one of my favorite ideas is from a guy named Charlie Munger. He's Warren Buffett's business partner. These guys are worth billions and billions of dollars. And Charlie says that the best way to learn is vicariously through other people's mistakes. The best way to learn is vicariously through other people's mistakes. That way you can get the golds, you can get the lessons, but you don't have to go through the trauma, the pain. You don't have to pay the tribute to learn the lessons. And I agree with this. If you look at 2008 and the financial meltdown, you look at the economic crises that we've had for the last 200 years, I tell you what, the best, you want to know how to build a bulletproof business, one of the best manuals you have is just look at all of the companies that have had an overnight success and then they've gone to dust the next day and just do the opposite. So today, anyways, we're, we're going to talk about things that mess up entrepreneurs today. So I'm going to teach you what to do to ruin your business, fully expecting you to not go out and do these things, but to do the opposite. And this is not by any means an exhaustive list. And some of this, just so you know, is going to be basic. And if you are offended by being taught something that you already knew, there's something wrong with you. Because one of the greatest weapons you have is through repetitive consumption of the right input. Repetitive consumption of the right input. I put in a Jim Rohn CD the other day that I've listened to at least two dozen times because of the nutrition locked up inside of this audio. And so you're never going to go wrong by consuming the type of material that empowers you. It doesn't matter how many times you've listened to it. It doesn't matter how many times you've heard it. You're never going to go wrong by making sure it's like, I've already eaten vegetables once when I was 12 years old. I'm never going to eat them again. Okay. That's how many of us make decisions when it comes to, we just are addicted to learning new things, new things, new things, new things. But at the end of the day, what you need is you need to be less interested in new and you need to be more interested in substance. Does the substance of this material empower me? All right. Number one, here's what you need to do. Numero uno, if you want to ruin your life, ruin your influence and ruin your business is complain, complain, mm. complain. Turn that weapon that you have known as your mouth and your language into a weapon pointed at yourself. <laughs> Saying, that's what it is. That's what it is. Your language is a powerful, powerful weapon. And uh, there's a lot of science, and I think I've spoken about this a lot. But this is something that is so easy to abstain from, but it's so easy to do at the same time is complain. Thomas Carlyle has a great quote. He says, the block of granite, which was an obstacle in the path of the weak, becomes a stepping stone in the path of the strong. 
The block of granite, which was an obstacle in the path of the weak, becomes a stepping stone in the path of the strong. Guess what's going to take you out of the game faster than anything else? It's not the granite in your way. It's your freaking mouth. It's your propensity to talk about how hard things are and complain about things. You know, but the problem with that is perspective really defines what is good or bad. What an opportunity we all have. As we're out in the world and we're all in different places on the planet, there's resistance, there's obstacles, there's barriers, there's challenges. What an opportunity we have to be like thankful for the fact that, you know, we don't have to work a full hour to earn the equivalent of a Chipotle burrito bowl. But so many times, like back to bringing it back, we use our, we use our language to complain rather than using our language to actually create the, the creativity to use these building blocks in your way as stepping stones. All right, so number one, you want to ruin your life, complain. Go for it. Be my guest. Then you'll never become anything. It's all your fault. Number two, number two, be risk avoidance. Let me tell you the truth. Is it okay if I just share the truth real fast or did you guys come to just hear a bunch of lies? <laughs> just share the truth with you. Here's the truth. The unadulterated truth is anything that carries potential carries with it risk in equal proportion anything that carries potential carries risk with it so for you to look at your life and business and say i'm going to eliminate a hundred percent of the risk what are you eliminating in the process all the possibilities because i can say look i'm going to eliminate all of the risk in my life i'm not going to get in the car because there's a statistical percentage of risk that i'm going to get in a car wreck I'm not going to eat this type of food. I'm not going to go to this restaurant. I'm just going to sit in bed all day and drink liquids. <laughs> what am I robbing? I'm robbing my potential. And what I've come to observe in people is that oftentimes we want the potential, but we don't want the risk. We don't want the risk. And so people become intolerant of risk. They become avoidant of risk. But what you need to focus on is learn how to manage risk. Your goal should not be to eliminate it. Your goal should be to manage it. There's a big difference. Become multifaceted in your assessment of risk. If I look at, okay, there's a statistical percentage that if I get in a car, I can get in a wreck. But there's also a percentage that if I don't get in the car, I'll never make it to my destination. That allows you to prioritize two risks and manage them appropriately. All right, number one, complain. Number two, risk avoid it. Number three, you ready? We're talking about how to ruin your life, how to ruin your business. Number three, chase a destination. I remember way back in the day when I was uh, working at a property management company. And uh, I would get to the office every morning around 7.15. And I would... This was my morning routine. I'm telling you, this is like as real as it gets right now. I would get to the office and I would... There was a, a girl who worked at the office with me. Her name was Rachel. And she usually got there at seven. So she would get there before me. And she had already started a cup of coffee. And uh, I would pour myself a cup of coffee. I would go to the front. I would log in. I would print out a stack of flyers. I would go outside and I would replace the flyer bin with these flyers. I would clean off the conference table. I would set up some documents for the day and I had my routine locked in to the point that I didn't really have to think about anything. And um, what I would do is I would visualize myself being able to work from Starbucks and I had no idea what I wanted to do. 
No idea what I wanted to do. I didn't know if I wanted to help people with marketing or this is just being real. Like I was not an entrepreneur. I did not grow up selling lemonade and suckers on the side of the street. I was not that person. But I knew that if I was going to get the freedom that I wanted, then I was going to have to learn it, pick a trade, master the trade, and learn how to sell it to other people. And I would go through this process and I would just think about myself being able to work from Starbucks, helping people, serving people, changing people's lives, no idea what I was doing. But guess what happens as soon as I got to that point in my life, about 14 months later, I chose the craft of writing copy. I decided I was going to go all in on becoming a copywriter. I became very good very quickly. And like I just woke up one day after all of this work and failure and realized that I was living my dream. I was working at Starbucks, didn't have to answer to anybody, earning money. And it felt like this amazing weight had been lifted off of me. And I had arrived and I was so happy for seven minutes and 30 seconds. And then I was right back to sort of just being stuck again. Took me a couple months to figure it out. And then my next big thing is I wanted to move to Nashville. And uh, took me a year and a half to do that. And then we got to Nashville. And then I was like happy for 14 minutes this time. I doubled my time and happiness. And then I didn't have anything else. And what I've noticed, if I look back over the past five years, is these series of plateaus that have taught me that there is no destination. Identity is something that you are constantly becoming. And the promised land is constantly shifting. And rather than chasing a destination, I have found that it is much wiser and much safer and much more empowering to see them as signposts on the way to you becoming who you're supposed to become. And this is really interesting because if you're just getting started, if you're just, you know, right at the beginning, you're probably listening to this being like, you freaking entitled little because you're so into the destination. You're like, how could you be upset with being able to do whatever you want? How could you? And again, I go back to perspective and I just am telling you that if the, if your goal is to live in a state of constant empowerment, if your goal is to live in a state where you are constantly moving forward, then thinking in terms of like, once I get here, I will be X. Once I get here, I will be X is going to cut you off the knees because you become and then you have. And the goal should be to become, to constantly become rather than the goal being to get to some certain place far out into the abyss. Does this make sense? You ready for the next one? Seek knowledge. There's a little, a little twister, a little twister in store for you. Thinking, oh, isn't seeking knowledge the point? Isn't that the goal? Shouldn't like be constantly chasing wisdom and knowledge and information? But I'm going to say that seeking knowledge for the sake of seeking knowledge is actually a very destructive habit. And instead, what you should be looking for is sequence and application. Sequence and application. I don't know if you have that one friend who's just so smart and so broke, where it's like, look. You're excited to tell them that you like read a book about like health and wellness. And it's like, I learned the science and they already know it. In fact, they knew it three years ago and they learned it before you did, but yet they're fat. And it's like, you are a case study for having knowledge completely devoid of application. 
And most of the time, these are the people that you see that are chronically out of sequence. They're wanting to know how the Facebook pixel works and they don't have an offer that anybody even likes. They're wanting to know the advanced, or this is, uh, saw someone on someone's post talking about a behavior arc in copywriting, but they've not even sent an email to their list. It's like, if you cannot get into a place where you are in proper sequence, applying the information to your specific problems, you're going to become the person who knows everything and has nothing. Number five is seek praise. Seek praise. And we're about to go off the deep end and get real personal on some of this stuff. So number one through four is just like basics. All right. Everyone, everyone can do that. And then number, the rest of these, you know, I'm going to challenge you a little bit. Human beings are constantly looking for the validation and the feedback of the people around us. Anything we can get to make us feel like we're special or different or unique or successful, we're constantly looking for it. But the reality is that praise makes us feel good. What we really need to become is a group of people who are willing to seek out criticism, to seek and to welcome criticism. And if you want a walking poster child for how difficult this can be, look no further than yours truly. You guys want to talk about criticism and vulnerability for a minute. Imagine how much we receive criticism. This is why you have to be very careful not to judge your success or failure by the lack of criticism or the lack of haters, if it were. A lot of you struggle with haters on your ads or haters in your circles. But if your barometer for success or failure is a lack of hate, then the only way to be successful is to do nothing. Come on, let me just turn you around for a little bit. I'm going to turn you around and turn you upside down. The only way to avoid hate is to lock yourself somewhere in Bangladesh where no one can find you and do nothing. It is the only way. It's the only way. And to become a person who seeks criticism because of how empowering it is and how much strength there is to be found in the constructive criticism of other people is very, very, very difficult. But criticism makes you introspective. It makes you turn inward to see where there are opportunities for improvement. And it's taken me a long time, but sometimes I get criticism and I'm like, man, that's right. What can we do better? And sometimes I get criticism and I'm like, don't ever talk to me that way. It's so difficult. It's so difficult. And as a leader, it's something that I'm constantly working on improving is making sure that I am actually someone who is attracted to criticism because how strong it makes me rather than seeking the praise because it's, what makes me feel good Ready for a good quote. If the champion had the opportunity to remove rejection from the equation, she would refuse to do it knowing that the job would no longer be worth as much in the marketplace devoid of rejection. Ready for the next one. Here's another way to ruin your life and ruin your future and ruin your business and ruin everything that you say you care about is to look for the easy way. There are a lot of differing viewpoints on this, by the way. One of the guys that I really love is a guy named Timothy Ferris, if you've read his books and stuff. And one of his big mindset things that he does is he asks himself, what would it look like if this were easy? What would it look like if this were easy? But I think fundamentally, that's different than what I'm saying. We are 
inundated with entrepreneurs who are looking for the easy way. They are looking for the least resistance path rather than learning to enjoy the process when it is not easy. In fact, let me just tackle this for a minute. Heart-centered has become a buzzword for I'm not going to do anything that feels bad. A couple of years ago, heart-centered meant something different. It meant that you weren't just going to create a business and take people's money without actually being interested in the well-being of that person. But today, heart-centered means if it doesn't feel good, I'm not going to do it. If my intuition doesn't make me feel la 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 about something, I'm going to do something different that's easier. Mm. <laughs> it's true. I'm very in tune with the market and where things are headed. And we are in an, a, a crucial place. The balance has been tipping for some time where the lifestyle businesses are going to start having a difficult time. Because at the end of the day, they're just, they're, they don't want to do something that doesn't feel good. And uh, here's an interesting quote. I'll give you an interesting quote to kind of back this up. I'm not crazy. I'm not saying that you should just like jump off buildings because it's hard and scary. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that we should absolutely not be looking for the easy ways out. We should be willing to go the extra mile. If you want something and you're not willing to sacrifice anything to get it, what does that tell you and everyone else about what you want? What is it worth? If you want something and you're willing to sacrifice nothing to get it, then what you want is worthless. It doesn't even matter. Thomas Edison said, I'm wondering what would have happened to me if some fluent talker had converted me to the theory of the eight-hour day and convinced me that it was not fair to my fellow workers to put forth my best efforts in my work. I am glad that the eight-hour day had not been invented when I was young. If my life had been made up of eight-hour days, I do not believe I would have accomplished a great deal. This country would not amount to as much as it has if the young men and women 50 years ago had been afraid that they might earn more than they were paid for. All right. Uh, by the way, just a quick caveat. Don't confuse something being difficult with being out of alignment. You don't want to get yourself out of alignment. And that's where the caveat is really important, where if you're like, man, this is just really hard. It's just really, 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 really hard all the time. It's just constantly all the time, really, really, really hard. Then there might be an alignment issue where you're trying to build something you don't actually believe in or that is out of alignment or out of character for you. That's where it needs to, you need to bring this up with the coach probably because it's actually damaging to keep trying to put something out there into the world that you feel like is out of alignment. You're not proud of. Does that make sense? Next one, heed your fears, heed your fears. This comes down. You guys want to write this down, write this down. What is my priority of input? At the end of the day, fear is really not that bad of a thing. It's probably kept you alive a few times. If you're driving 60 miles an hour towards a tree, you are probably going to become afraid and veer off from that tree. That's a pretty good thing. Most uh, people would say that's healthy, healthy form of fear. But at the end of the day, you want to heed your vision first and your fear second. All right. So sometimes it's not necessarily a bad thing to look at what you're afraid of and honor pieces of that as long as it's not your master. So fear isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it's just a bad boss. 
So yeah, I'm really into quotes. I read a lot to come into my office. It's like stacked up with books. And uh, I wrote this down and I can't pronounce this guy's name, but he said, here's the quote, come to the edge. He said, they said, but we are afraid. Come to the edge. He said again, they came, he pushed them and they flew. It's a cool little uh, word picture for you. You ready to keep going? Yep, let's go. What to do to ruin your business. Beat yourself up. Take yourself too seriously. <laughs> Get all mad at yourself because things don't work exactly according to plan. The more you can shift your worldview to see the mistakes and the consequences as tuition, the more empowering it's going to be for you. You think about people who go to college. You go to college and you pay $100,000 to learn lessons from school. And those lessons hopefully empower you to go out and make a living and to become a person of influence. In the business world, the tuition you pay is not money. It is your mistakes. A lot of you come in here and you're all burned out and you've done all these things and none of it's worked. And you're like, I just feel like I've wasted so much time. I just feel like I've wasted it. Listen, listen, shut up. You haven't wasted anything. You've paid a tuition to learn the things not to do. You've paid a tuition. You haven't wasted anything. A lot of you are looking at your life as a series of black and white. This was a good use. This was a bad use. But even the things that are not necessarily good, you still learn from them, don't you? Tuition. Somebody say tuition. You got to look at your life in this empowering worldview. We talked at the event. It's really not about right or wrong, good or bad. It's about empowering or disempowering. Don't ever look at anything that's happened and felt like, oh, it was a waste. Nothing's wasted unless you're a waste person. All right. All right. Here we go. Here's the last thing that you want to do if you want to ruin your life and your business. Take my word for it. Be obsessed with the lag indicators. Everybody know what a lag indicator is, right? Everybody knows what a lag indicator is. A lead indicator is something that you control, but there's typically nothing good attached to it. The lag indicator is the fruit of the lead indicator. You can think of it this way. The cause is the lead indicator. The effect is the lag indicator. And I said this, at, I think it was the July event. The people who are winners, they are winners. All they do is win, win constantly. Even when they lose, they look like they're winning. Those are the people that they get just as much fulfillment and reward from the lead indicators as they do the lag indicators. Dr. David Hawkins, very smart man, says society constantly expends its efforts to correct effects rather than causes. Society constantly expends its efforts to correct effects rather than causes. What does this mean? It means rather than fixing the damn issue, the root of the issue, the cause of the issue, Rather than fixing the problem, which is your confidence and your ability to help someone else. Oops, wasn't supposed to say that. Rather than fixing the issue, which is your inability to sell anybody into anything. Rather than fixing the root issue, which is your offer sucks. Your market doesn't care about you. You have to get everything in. Rather than fixing all that, we are just become obsessive 
over the numbers in the bank account. And this person said no. And this person said no. And you see what I'm saying? You got to learn to become obsessed with the lead indicators. What are the things? What is the process? What are the activities that I can actually control that I know down the road is going to impact the things that I can't control? Stop expending so much time and effort trying to solve the consequences when you can actually deal with the the, the choices that produce this. Bada boom, bada bing. All right. See you guys next week. Thank you.